here this morning. Again, Romans chapter 7. Look at the last two verses, verses 24 and 25. It tells us in God's word, in Romans chapter 24, I mean chapter 7, verse 24. And better yet, uh, we get contests since we have guests. I'm going to go up a little bit farther to verse 21. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of Sin. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to bless us in our time here this morning. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you again for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be back when it's Lord's Day to be in your word. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless this time, Lord, and enrich us in your word. That, Lord, we are reminded of your truth and your goodness and your mercy towards your people. So, Lord, we ask you to help me this morning that I preach your word faithfully. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me everything that needed, Lord, to preach your word faithfully here this morning. That your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord, here. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us and give us, Lord, your truth. And let your word fall on fertile ground, ground that sprouts up life. Grounds that um, that bring about life that, that shares this great news with others. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us here at this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's a um, a rapper um, that has very song, similar popular songs out. Um, I'm pretty sure Zach and Trey J probably know all the lyrics of these songs. Um, but one of the songs a person a person mentioned is that it said I got a bad addiction. I've been drugging hard all month long. I'm in that rap. I ain't got nothing but some residue on me. And this person goes on with the service song called Drug Addiction. Um, because a person goes on talks about the struggle that he have that he never want to go broke again. I think that's the name of his album called Never Going Broke Again. And he talks about the struggle that that he had and what he had. He said, matter of fact, just as a convicted felon, he talked about how he's a felon. He talked about the struggles within his life growing up, that whatever it takes for him not to go broke, he'll be able to do whatever it takes. He goes on and talks about 
you know, how you want to enjoy life. And so the person talk about the struggle in life, but these are just lyrics. And we hear the lyrics, and I wouldn't recommend you guys to listen to all the lyrics of that song. But um, but I would say, though, the guy that wrote this song was called, his name is called Young Boy. And um, he was born as a guy named um, Kentrell Deshaun Golden. But he grew up with his Ashley grandmother. Uh, his father was in prison 55 years in prison. So this young man had to raise himself pretty much a lot of his life. And so he struggled. He started going to jail and started doing petty, different crimes and everything to start getting a lot of trouble throughout his life. He talks about this one time is that I used to get beat up inside the group home for no reason. Other boys would put their hands on me and I would look, look, look up like, why are y'all hitting on me? So this is a young kid that was used to get picked on. But now he turned out now with these different lyrics. And now he's never going to allow anybody to pick on him again. He's going to retaliate on anybody that pick on him. They did these certain things. So this guy, NBA, he shows a lot of pain in his lyrics. He shows a lot of brokenness in his lyrics. This young man missed the father. He missed the mother. He missed growing up in a way that many of us grew up. You know, we are blessed. My kids get to grow up with both parents in the home. Trey J is blessed to grow up with both parents in the home. And so we are blessed to not experience a life like this young man has experienced. So this young man now is still living a life of these struggles internally. Back and forth is that I don't want to be able to experience life the way I did before. But it seemed like the temptation to go back, the temptation of the struggle, I have to break these crimes, do these things to better live a certain life to struggle. If we look deep down into this young man's struggle, we can backtrack and see he was crying for a father. He was crying for a mother. He was crying for someone to care for him early in his younger age. And couldn't he, he couldn't get it from home. So now he turns to somewhere else to get what he couldn't get at home. Can you relate to that? Can we relate to this? As Christians, I know you might be saying, Creston, how does this NBA young boy lyrics relate to the Christian struggle? I'm not agreeing with anything that young boy is doing. I don't too much care for his lyrics because a lot of the, the stuff he has is a lot of pain. But let me say this, though, is that as Christians, it is an internal struggle within us. It's a different struggle than what this young man is going through. The struggle within us, and Paul has been referring to, is that we know what right is, but it, it's so easy to do wrong. The temptation to do wrong is right before us. But to do right is so hard to do. It's so easy just to tell somebody how it is, right? You know, just you want to say all these bad words to somebody that did something to you. But it's so hard to take time and walk them through what happened. It's a struggle in the Christian life. The Christian life is full of struggles. 
on trying to honor the Lord. But it's so easy to dishonor the Lord. Paul brings this out because of the law. The more he went on the law, but when he see the law, he see how corrupt he is. One person said this. If we are in Christ, the battle is not over, but the victory is sure. He has purchased our sanctification and glorification, as well as our justification. However, we cannot ignore the experiential struggle in the Christian soul between what is ideal and what is actual. Godly believers are often deeply frustrated over their lack of conformity to God's holy commands. While they need to be encouraged to press on in the battle, they also need to be comforted with the truth that this is the normal experience of believers on earth. I always find so many people that come to know Jesus and they feel like, well, when they profess Christ and know Jesus, their life is going to get easy. Did it get easy for you when you say you believed in Jesus? It didn't. It didn't get easy. The struggle came even more real for you. That now you have to say no to these friends. You have to say no to these things. Because now you're falling after Jesus. You can't serve two masters. You can't be a part of this and be a part of this. Either part of one. It was at the other. I know I grew up, we had two different games. Um, what the most games were good? You had the blood and the, the crypts. Could a blood be inside the crypts together? Can they be a blood in the crypt? What would happen? Right. You can't be on both sides of it. Right? So you can't be like a, 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 say, be a believer, follower of Jesus, and be a follower of the world. You're either going to be one or the other. You can't be in both. You can't some Sunday say, I love Jesus on Sunday. But all throughout the week, you're falling after the things of this world. You either love one or hate the other. as a Christian it's hard for us it's a struggle for us but family the struggle is worth it the fight is worth it that we get heaven we get God goodness we get reconciliation we get redemption we get all these things in Christ the fight is worth it so even though it might be hard to say no I'm cool without doing these certain things I'm cool without having these things in the world. I have Christ, and Christ is enough. And what I have in Jesus, the world cannot take away. What I have in Jesus, the world can't even compare to it. Amen. My friends may forsake me. My, my friends may backstab me. But one thing for sure is that Jesus would never turn his back on us. So I asked that blood or that crib again. Whose side are you on? If you're on this side, you will face the judgment of God. 
But if you're on this side right here, you receive the peace and harmony with God. So you might not be blood and grip. You might be a part of something else. You might be a part of this other things in life that deals with lying or deals with adultery. I don't know what sin you may be taking place in, but if you want to stay there within that group of whatever that sin may be, family, you have to die in it. But for those that have chosen Christ, you receive it all that what Christ has to give. But the struggle is real. With that being said, the title of the sermon is called Wretched Man That I Am. And the first point is going to be, Mr. Martin is going to be, the struggle is real. The second point is going to be, the struggle is not too big for our God. Point number one again, the struggle is real. Look in verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? Paul has shut down any conversation for someone who may have said about him that Paul don't like the law. Paul don't like Jews anymore. He's stuck up now. That Paul doesn't like these things. Paul has pretty much shut down anything that has misrepresented him. If anybody say, well, Paul said forget the law because we're under grace, they are misrepresenting Paul. Paul didn't say forget the law because he's under grace. Paul stands boldly on us being saved by grace alone. Yes, he does. Talk about this in Romans 6. Greg just read it. For sin when I have dominion over you since you are now under uh, not under the law, but under grace. We are under grace. Grace is receiving Christ's righteousness, which we couldn't earn by our own works. It only is obtained by the works of Christ. So we are under grace. So Paul is explaining to them, though, is that the Ten Commandments are before us, but we are, all, we are saved by grace, not by the Ten Commandments. We're saved by the grace. We're saved by the grace of Christ. Christ has kept the Ten Commandments. But also Paul talks about the law. He says in Romans 7, 6, which read, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we are we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So now by the spirit, as we live out the Christian life, it looketh as if we have kept the law. As we have kept the commandment, as we love God and love neighbor, the commandment is filled. As we love God and love neighbor, we fulfill the Ten Commandments. So Paul is saying is that, yes, we're under grace, but still the law is still beneficial. The law is beneficial because we still have our old flesh. Our old flesh still want the things of this world. 
And the law continually remind us that we can't have those things in this world. And Paul see the struggle here. I have a new spirit in me, but my old flesh is still here. How does it work? How does this mix together? My, my, my spirit in me telling me to do the right thing. It's telling me to say no to, to all these things in this world. The spirit in me telling me to say no, but my flesh saying say yes. How do you work through this? But Paul is struggling with this as well. Paul comes to this conclusion and says that wretched man that I am, I, I want to do right. I want to do right, but my flesh wants to do wrong. What do I choose? I got a phone call that, that I want to fit in, that I have to prove to everybody around me that I'm the biggest dog on the block. I got to take this phone call I, or I got to respond to this that, hey, I'm not a lame. I'm not a lame that, that I can get in any relationship with anybody. I'm not a lame. But, but the spirit in God is saying that, no, I am in Christ. So what do I do? Do I prove to the world that I'm not a lame, that I can be able to get the attention from this world? Or do I say, no, let them say that I'm a lame, that I got Christ. Family. This is what Paul is dealing with, this inner battle. I want to do right, but the struggle here. I mean, do anybody struggle with that in this room? You, you want to honor the Lord, but the temptation of lust is right there at it. Just one last time with lust, we do it and I'll be done. Then the other side is say, no, that's wrong. It's a back and forth battle. I want more money for overtime. I want more money right now, but Christ said I have enough in him, but I want more money here, and I know I need to be with Christ back and forth. Family, we all can relate to the inner battle of man, that for us, our flesh wants the things of this world. Paul comes to the conclusion. For him wanting to do right, but he see the struggle, Paul comes to the conclusion and said, oh, wretched man that I am. Almost all Bible translations translate the word as wretched. Wretched gets to the person of being miserable internally. Miserable. Paul is not referring to being wretched because of one mistake. He talked about this miserable battle within that he wish he can just get rid of one side of this battle, that he can be alone with this other side forever. Think about yourself. What you're dealing with right now, internally right now. You might be dealing with, in a sense of struggling with jealousy. And you're praying, God, God, help me, Lord. Get rid of jealousy. Get rid of it, Lord. Get rid of jealousy. And let my heart long after you alone and you pray over and over next thing you look up your heart go back to jealousy again it might be anger this person did this to me I'm not going to let them out hey they're going to have to hear this they're going to have to see these hands whatever the case may be you might struggle with that or you might struggle with pornography so it might be these things that we might be struggling with, we want to get rid of. 
is that, hey, once I get rid of this, it won't be a battle anymore. I don't know where you fall at, but all of us in this room that are believers, we're battling something. We all in this room battling. You might just look good on the outside. You might not look like you're battling anything, but I promise you as a believer, you have something that you're battling if you're a true believer. If you're not battling, you must have already gave over to it. There's no way to be a true believer in Christ if you're not battling something and saying no to something. If you say yes to everything that comes your way, you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. But for those that are truly following Jesus, we say no to things. That's where the battle comes in. Paul is acknowledging the life patterns. The pattern is his struggle in this life as a believer. The struggle is only possible by seeing himself in relation to the law. I'm talking about this on last sermon. How Paul shared with us the struggle of wanting to do right but do wrong. The struggle Paul shared with us today is the life of the Christian being evaluated by the law. It helps us see that what the redeemed flesh will look like on a glorious day to come. We won't have to continue this battle when we get our new bodies. But here on earth, we have to deal with this unredeemed flesh. That even though we want to be here on Sunday morning, it was so many temptations probably to stay in the home today, wasn't it? There probably so many reasons for staying home and get more rest. Stay at home to be able to get ready to watch a game later. There probably so many temptations that came your way. That was part of the end of battle. But look at you all here this morning. So the struggle is real. Struggle is real for all of us at work. We know we are better than this person at work, but that person get the promotion. We're smarter than this person. We're better than this person, but they got the promotion over me. Then we say in our hearts, let's go talk about that person around the job. Let's gossip around about that person. All of a sudden now we're slandering and we're gossiping. As a believer, it's a hard struggle. You know, relations before marriage is wrong. But your flesh is so weak, you say, Well, God will forgive me. We say, Well, no, he, no, I can't do this. But God will forgive me, but I can't do this. Every day there's a struggle in a Christian life. And this is not new to us. We saw it with Adam and Eve in the garden. That they had this opportunity, this same type of struggle. And their struggle for them is that they can walk with God and eat what God has called them to eat. Or they can walk away from God and walk with the serpent and eat what the serpent says eat. Whose side are you on? And so for them, Adam and Eve, in that moment, 
They decided to listen to the serpent and follow after the serpent in that moment. They were tested just like us. The struggle was real for Adam and Eve. Family, the struggle is real for us. But who will we choose? But thanks be to God, as we transition to the second point, let me say one last thing. Adam and Eve came into the world and walked with God. Just with God. And the serpent appeared to them and they fell into sin. The serpent is nothing but the devil appeared to them. And they listened to them, they listened to the serpent, and they disobeyed God. When Jesus was born, they day, when Jesus was born, he eventually was baptized. And after he was baptized, y'all remember that serpent that came to Adam and Eve? That same serpent now came to Jesus after his baptism. What did Adam and Eve do when the serpent came? He ate the fruit. And they did what? Sin against God. They sinned against God. Now Jesus, he faced the same tempter. He faced in the wilderness. They offered serpent and encouraged Eve, take the tree and eat. The serpent encouraged Jesus now in, 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 um, in the wilderness. Take this rock and turn to bread and eat. Both were offering food. Adam and Eve, they ate the food. Jesus, he got offered food with a rock. And Jesus returned with this right here. Man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out the mouth of God. Jesus ate the words of his father, not the words of the serpent. Jesus showed us what happened in the midst of struggle. Jesus was struggling, got tempted like us, but Jesus chose his father's words over the serpent words. Jesus showed to the world what side he's on. It brings to point number two. The struggle is real, but not too big for God. You like that one read? Verse 25. We see. We're going to do this in two points. I mean, two sub points. Jesus is bigger than the struggles and Jesus helps us serve him even though the struggles are real. Take the first sub point in this one. Verse 25. Jesus is bigger than our struggles. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul, thank God that even though the struggles is real, that Jesus Christ is He's Lord. The struggles are real, but that doesn't change the fact that he still is Lord. That Jesus' essence point is the essence point to the triune God. We want to get to the Father? We go through Jesus. We get God because of Jesus. Paul thanked God through Jesus because Jesus is the one that redeemed him from lawlessness. Paul gave glory to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit by honoring Jesus as being Lord. The struggle is real, but God, through his Son, has overcame the death. How is he Lord? 
How many bloods and cribs you saw was resurrected from the grave? With their own power. Not one. How many atheists have raised themselves up from out of the grave with their own power? Not one. Because they're not Lord over, over the world. They're not the true Lord. But Jesus being the true Lord, he can be in the grave and still hold his world on his axis. He can count the galaxies. He can count the hairs in your head. No matter if your hair is blue. Or green. I don't know what color that is. That. But he can count your hair in your head. But not only that, Christy was able to play in the sand. He can count the grains of sand because he's Lord. And by being Lord is that he is the true master, true ruler. There is no one that can rule over him. No matter how big you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how many ways you live, but you would never be stronger than a God that's above. Because he's true Lord. He's the true Lord. Till Jesus is resurrected, death does not reign over him. The grave doesn't keep him. He's the Lord over the grave. Since Jesus revert the impact of sin, because he's Lord, that now the blind can see, Jacob. The lame can walk, Greg. 4,000 and 5,000 people can be fed, Yoel. Peter can walk on water. A woman that is casted out can be healed. I keep going on. But a feast that need wine, water can be turned into wine because he's Lord. He has shown to the world that he is truly the son of God. And lastly, how do we know he's Lord? Where is he sitting at right now? In heaven, at the right hand of the Father. One thing about the right hand, majority of the people that are born are right-handed. Right hand just feel, deals with the dominancy. The dominant side of a human body is normally the right hand. Some people are left-handed. But for the most part, majority of the people in the world are right-handed. So right hand is that this anthropomorphic language. God don't actually have, God is in heaven as a spirit. He doesn't have actually a right hand. Jesus has a right hand because his incarnation takes upon flesh. But it gives us this language of right hand for us to better understand the power of God. So this right hand, Jesus could be sitting anywhere else. But Jesus sits on the strongest side of the Father, on the throne with him. So family, how do we know Jesus is Lord? He's at the right hand of the Father. There would never be anything that is in creation that will ever be over him. He will be supreme forever because he is Lord. Not just master, but he's actually, he's Yahweh in the flesh. I am that I am. It's sacred name of God throughout the scripture. But it tells us in 
John 6, 35, 48, and 51, that I'm the bread of life. Tells us in John 8, 12, and 9, 5, I'm the light of the world. John 10, 7, and 9, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, 11, and 14, I am the good shepherd. John 11, 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1, prayer favorite passage. If you haven't time, he'll quote it for you. I am the true vine. It wasn't no coincidence he kept saying I am. Because in the Old Testament, I, the, I am that I am was always referred to Yahweh. Jesus is letting us know that he is truly God. So the miss of the knowledge in our shortcoming and being wretched, Paul recognizes this, that he thanked Jesus for being Lord. The matter of his struggles are, how big they are, that Jesus is still Lord. That our struggles would never be bigger than Lord. That he will always be Lord no matter what decisions to make tomorrow. He's going to be Lord no matter what decisions are before us. No matter what the doctor may say. That the test results doesn't change the fact that he's Lord. Your job and your boss treating you in a way that is not, uh, not, not justly. Your boss is doing certain things that's not right. That doesn't change the fact he is Lord. And by him being Lord, family, we his bride. We get everything that our Lord has. I mean, it says all the time, he is our groom and we is his bride. John 15 tells us that Jesus is the true vine and the father vine dresser and we're just a branch. We can't bury any grapes. It's the father and the son that give the grapes. But we are benefiting from the grapes because we are embodying in the true vine. That sounds better than you agree. By abiding in Christ, we get everything in Christ. We even get Christ that is stronger than our inner, inner battle daily. We get Christ. Everything that he has. I love my wife to death. If something ever happened to me, insurance, anything happened, she gets everything. Family. Because we are united together. Me and my wife, we're united together. And the same thing in the bride of Christ. By being married to Christ, we get everything in Christ. He would never leave us. The one that the Lord of all the world, that's our groom. And we get him in every moment of our lives because he's Lord. The law, nor our flesh, our master, nothing can separate us from Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus is bigger than all of our struggles because he's Lord. A.W. Pink says this right here on the sovereignty of God. Listen to this. The sovereignty of God may be defined as an exercise of his supremacy. Infinitely elevated above the highest creature, he is the most high, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, 
subject to none. Influenced by none, absolutely independent. God does as he pleases. Only as he pleases. Always as he pleases. None can throw him. None can hinder him. So his own word especially declares, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. He does according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his band. Divine sovereignty means that God is God in fact as well as his name. That he is on the throne of the universe directing all things, working all things after the counsel of his own will. That's what Charles Spurgeon mentioned there at the end of that pink quoted. He's sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over all things. And Paul thanked God. In the midst of his struggle, he turned and thanks God that God is Lord. We probably can't make our current situation go away, can we? We probably can't make these things go away. But one thing we can arrest upon, though, the struggles can stay there. But guess what's going to be right there with those struggles? Jesus is going to be Lord. He's going to be Lord in the midst of those struggles. So guess what? We're fine now. It's fine now. Think about it like this. It's the difference. It's the line dam. Somebody go to Little Rock Zoo. Say we got four or five lines in there. And they put you right there in the middle of those lines. The fish too tall for you to climb. What are you going to do? You can't run anywhere. They're faster than you. They're stronger than you. There's no way you can win. The battle is too big for you. But all of a sudden, you're thrown in the line then, but you're not alone. You got some help in there with you. You have some ammunition in there with you to defend yourself in there. You feel a little bit different then, won't you? You have something to fight them off. You feel a little bit different. You have some support in there to fight them off. It'd be a little bit different. Family in the Christian life, we have something bigger than just ammunition. We have God himself with us. We don't have to fight our battle by ourselves. God is with us. And it brings over the last few minutes we have. Jesus helps us serve him even though the struggle is real. So then Paul tells us right here in the end of verse 25. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. Jesus is Lord in the midst of our weak flesh. But by him being Lord, Paul is saying that, hey, I still get to serve the law of God with my mind. That the new man that is in Christ is rooted in Christ as Lord. That Christ deserves all the honor, power, and the glory. The new man identity is in Christ. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5. 
verse starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Creation, The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. He implored you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Part of the new creature in Christ. So he served God with the inner man. That's how we know he's a true believer. Because his inner man has changed. That he served God from the inner man. That he trusts God, even though his flesh is weak, he looked to Christ as Lord. But eventually, as he looked to Christ, his outward flesh will look different. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin, he tells the end with. That outward flesh des desire to serve sin. It wants sin. Our flesh is enslaved to sin. It eat and sleep sin. But the inner man chooses Jesus every day. Because our flesh is corrupt. I think this is one of the things that caused so many people to walk away from the faith. Because they come and say they're a believer and their struggles are so common and they feel like they could never, never flee away from this certain addiction of sin. And eventually, many walk away and go ahead and choose the world. Keep falling to the same struggle. And they just say, forget it. Let me go ahead and live a free life in sin. Family, that's you here today. If that's you here today, don't buy into that lie. Say want to deny, he wants you to deny your faith. He wants you to live in a life of self-indulgences. Because for him, he wants you to turn to the things of this world and serve the things of this world. Because that's exactly what he's doing. But for those that truly believe in Christ, we have assurance in Christ that we fight our sin daily. We fight our sin daily that in the midst of our struggles, we're very repentant. We're reaping. You're like, man, let me get over on this person. Let me get over on this person. Let me ask for God forgiveness every day. That's not true repentance. But a true repentance is like, no, I'm going to run from it. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to run from it. 
Do you find yourself back in that position? Yeah, you probably would. But you're running from that inner battle every single day. So my question is, do you believe that Jesus is the true Son of God and the only way to the Father that the righteousness can only be obtained from him? Do you have your sins daily that you're enjoying? That means you don't want Christ. But for those that want Christ, they desire after Jesus. They submit to Jesus, the Lord of their life. If you say yes to these things of submitting to Jesus every single day of your life, at home with your spouse, at work with your boss, along with your child, if you see Jesus the Lord is in your life, you're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, family, you have Jesus. But only time you got Jesus on Sunday morning, family, you might not have Jesus then. The person that have Jesus, we have it every moment of our lives. So the struggle is real, real. But we pick Jesus. We pick Jesus alone. Things might not look altogether outwardly, but Emily, you are dying to self daily. That's what Jesus sees. He sees the heart, the enemy going to Christ. I've heard people say, well, Jesus haven't finished with me yet. So I'm going to go ahead and get away with this. Jesus is still working with me. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and get away with this. If you're okay with going ahead and get away with this, you don't want Jesus. Every moment we're going to fight it. We're going to fight, right? Every moment we're not giving Satan an inch. We're not giving him an inch. Everything belongs to Jesus. Let me give us the application. Martin looked at his phone. Application. The struggle is real, but Christ is Lord. Everybody say this. The struggle is real, but Christ is Lord. All right. So we need to look to Christ when you don't, when you don't know how to deal with sin. So first of all, you need to look to Christ. Cling to Christ. We don't know how to say no to sin. Rest in Christ. We don't know how to say no to sin. How can you do this? Read the Bible daily. Read the Bible daily. Read the gospel about Christ's life daily, how Christ has overcome the world. How Christ dealt with struggles, he overcame them. Look to Christ. Remember that he's sovereign. The attributes I mentioned with A.W. Pink earlier. There's nothing ruled over him. He's truly God, he's Lord of the universe. We can trust him in the midst of struggles. Application two. Daily consider the Ten Commandments. Consider the Ten Commandments. Not for to be saved by the Ten Commandments, salvation, but to remind that God is holy. God is holy and he commanded us to be like him. We think you're a good person. It's a value with your heart compared to the law. It'll keep you humble. It'll keep you grateful for what Christ has done for you. The last application here. Last application. I hope you guys share this last one. The last application is this. Come back next Sunday.
And here Romans 8, 1. Paul is going to be able to encourage us even more. And this is what he's getting down to. Is Romans 8, 1. It is the perfect words for all of us as believers that are struggling. Romans 8, 1 is going to be the great word that we need to hear for those that are struggling. So come back. But for those that are here that are not believers, whose side are you on? You can look nice, you can smile and say you're on God's side. And you can be on the side of ops. But I would say be on God's side. Put your faith in him today. Turn from your sins. Be with him. As you be with him, Nothing can take away from love, his love. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you.